Hey, and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. I hope you enjoyed the last Real Talks episode with my friend Chloe about being grounded in God. For today's Bible study, we're going to be talking about a story from the Old Testament that involves two women, one baby, and a king. Do you remember King David? We talked about his wives, Michael and Abigail, in previous episodes. Well, fast forward a couple of books of the Bible, and he has a son who became king after he dies. This son's name was Solomon. Solomon was a very young ruler, and at the beginning of his reign, he was known for having an obedient heart towards God and walking in the faith that his father David taught him. One night, this is really early on in his his kingship, God comes to Solomon in a dream and tells Solomon to ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon asks for a discerning heart and the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. God is pleased with his request because, I mean, obviously, he could have asked for literally anything. Wealth, lifespan, power, destroy his enemies, whatever. But he chose wisdom to make himself a better leader and a better king. So God grants him wisdom, and on top of that, he grants him everything he chose wisdom over. He gives him wealth honor and promises him that if he remains obedient, he will live a long life as well. This story we're going to go over shows one of the first examples of King Solomon's wisdom after God blesses him with exceptional wisdom and discernment. So go grab your Bible, grab a journal and a pen, and let's crack it open to 1 Kings three sixteen through 28. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, pardon me, my lord, This woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son, and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't the son I had born. The other woman said, No, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. But the first one insisted, No, the dead one is yours, the living one is mine. And so they argued before the king. The king said, This one says my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, No, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. He then gave an order, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my lord, give her the living baby. Do not kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave this ruling, give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. That would have been a dramatic solution to a problem. Wouldn't you say? I'm glad that Solomon knew that was going to be the outcome. Remember, he had that God-given wisdom. He wasn't actually going to cut a child in half to appease these people, okay? But who on earth was that woman to be okay with cutting the child in half so that neither of them could have him? You might think her insane, and she probably was insane in her own grief, but this is a problem that you will see all over in society and between people. It comes down to the nasty issue of 
envy. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. This woman wanted what the other had so bad that she was satisfied for neither of them to have the child. Envy rots the bones. It rots the mind. Have you ever wanted someone, something someone else had so bad that you were just waiting for them to mess it up so that you could have it? Or at least allow your misery company? If I can't have it, no one can, that kind of mentality. There really does seem like there is something inside people that is so self-driven that we become frustrated when we see other people reach their goals when we haven't. Have you ever met or maybe been the person who's extremely bitter of every happy relationship around her? That's the kind of person who's rooting for breakups and relationship drama. Or maybe you know the person who is passive-aggressive at every promotion someone else gets. It's only because they want to be the person getting recognized and rewarded. You will see someone who is insecure gossiping about someone else, but in reality they want to be as attractive as them, or as funny as them, or as smart, or confident as them. Why do we do this? Even if we don't mean to, you'll catch yourself doing it occasionally. Watch for it. If you're in competitions or athletics, you're going to have experienced this one. You're going to hope for a good competitor to make a mistake because it means you have a better shot at winning. You might correct yourself in your head right away. You know, say, oh, no, it's about being being the best at what I can do, not uh, at them making the mistake. But that original thought is there, and it's hoping you're going to focus on it, turn it into envy, and let it rot your bones. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So, we envy others because we desire what they have. Envy is a feeling, but like most feelings... Actions are often driven by our emotions. Even if we try to control them with logic, emotions still influence our choices and our decisions. And James is telling us that the feeling of envy leads to the action of fighting and quarreling and even killing. If you ask me, envy is kind of the root of, I mean, almost all of our sins. Even Adam ate the fruit they were told not to because they were envious of God's knowledge. The serpent whispered in their ear that God was keeping something from them, even while they lived in a paradise. Cain committed the first murder when he killed his brother Abel because he was jealous of his brother. We pursue wealth over compassion because of our wants, things that we see other people have. But James also tells us that we don't have because we do not ask. We don't trust God to answer our prayers. And even when we do ask, we ask with the wrong motives in mind. I'm super guilty of this, and it's it's a fine line, and I'm working on finding a balance to it. On one side, we're supposed to be bold in our faith, right? And ask God to answer our prayers if they're in his will. The thing is, is we're supposed to be praying and asking for things in the will of God. Yeah, when I try and be bold in prayer, I'll find myself asking him to help me to get the job that I want. I've asked him to answer my prayers about relationships. I ask the God of the universe to take care of things that aren't going to necessarily last in this lifetime. And while it is important to bring all of me to God and bring all of my concerns and worries and anxieties to him, no matter how small, I also need to realize that what I should be focusing on and desiring is bigger than a career, a class, a competition, a grade, certain relationships, and even minor health scares. 
Ecclesiastes 4.4 says, And I saw that all toil and achievement sprang from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Temporary anxieties, they're meaningless. And all of the effort we put into these often vain pursuits, it's just meaningless without God in the picture. Putting so much importance into this little blip of life that we have here, thinking that every decision we make is life or death for us, it's exhausting. It's chasing after the wind. Yet still the world envies one another, like any of us have that significantly more time than the other on this earth, like any of us are worth more than the other. Something that combats envy is when we start focusing on what is outside of ourselves and not about what is inside of ourselves. I mean, excluding the Holy Spirit, of course, because he's important and he's inside us. But what I mean to say is that as humans, we have limited mental capacity. We can focus on only so many things at one time. So if your focus is on other people, on God, on gratitude, you have less time to focus on you, yourself, and your desires. You know, the world becomes surprisingly less scary and overwhelming when you realize that you aren't as important as you think you are. Now, don't get that confused with value. You are incredibly valuable because you are made in the image of God and you are loved by a father that cares for you immensely. But the choices you make, they don't derail God's plan. And they don't lead for him either. We can be blessed to be used as tools for the kingdom. But the important piece of the puzzle is God. It's Jesus. And sometimes we just have to come to that realization that God is what's important. Everything else is secondary, including ourselves and our desires. You know who exhibits an understanding that their desires are secondary? The true mother in our story from today. She didn't seem to have any options. Either way she looked at it, her child would be taken from her, but she begged for the king to spare the baby's life and allow the false mother to have the child. Sometimes it feels like we don't have any options either. But when we run out of options, we can go to a different king. And maybe your desires will match up with God's and you will receive what you pray for. But you might need to accept the fact that sometimes you're going to have to be like those mothers and you're going to see someone else with what you believe is rightfully yours. Are you going to be the kind of woman who would prefer that no one gets what they want? Or are you going to be the kind of woman who can selflessly let something go? Or at least allow others their happiness? This life we live is hard enough without wishing it to be harder on others. We should celebrate when things go right. We should allow others peace in their moments of joy. So here's our question, right? How do we deal with envy? Well, there are a few ways to go about helping yourself there. The first step that I would make is avoiding comparison altogether. In today's society, that's hard. Social media is almost this monster in a way because everyone puts their best foot forward online and all you see are the positives and the good sides. Then you compare your worst version of yourself to the best edited photoshopped version of everyone else. And then we wonder where our jealousy comes from. The only comparisons we should be participating in is comparing ourselves to Jesus and only then because we are doing our best to look more like him. Another important thing to do is to pray for the person you are envious of. Your new goal is to cheer on the success of the person you envy. Matthew 5.44 says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now the person you envy might not be your enemy. 
They might not even be rude to you, right? But I use this verse to point out how far over the line is so that you can see how much and how many people it includes. Even if you don't feel like praying for the person who has whatever it is that you want, pray for them. Remember that envy rots the bones, your bones specifically. So holding on to envy, it hurts you the most. And bitterness buys you nothing. The other big one that I can think of is gratitude. You have to be thankful for where you're at, even as you work harder than anyone else to get where you want to go. Psalms 107 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Gratefulness goes a long way. We have to train our brain, build up the habits in our heads to focus on producing more gratitude than grumbling. One way to do that is to start a gratitude journal. I recommend doing it first thing in the morning to get your day off on the right foot. Write down what you're thankful for each morning, something you're looking forward to, or pray for a couple minutes in the morning and thank God for the air in your lungs, the bed that you slept on, the food that you've gotten to eat, the people in your life, the music you get to listen to, right? Just read a passage out of your Bible, maybe play some music, anything that makes you appreciate the life God gave you. Dwell on those moments. Thank God for them. But most importantly, like any sinner struggle, count on God to help you depend on him. Because we aren't capable of dealing with something like envy alone. Isaiah 40 verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. God offers us the power to overcome our weaknesses. He gives us the strength to be better people, to be better women. So let's work this week to be the kind of women who pray for each other. Let us be the kind of women who build each other up and not tear each other down. Let us work on the envy in our own hearts and choose to cover ourselves in love instead. My hope is to always be happy for other people's successes and to maybe even care less about my own, but to always care the most for God's. Well, that's everything that I have for today. It's pretty short. Don't forget to review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give a follow on the Grace Talks Podcast Instagram or Twitter account, or maybe even share the link to your favorite episodes with someone you know. For the next Bible study, we are going to be talking about one of my all-time favorites. Her name's Esther, an actual queen. All right. So next week, we're going to have another Real Talks episode to enjoy. Um, and I'm excited for that because they're going to be a couple people who are very close in my life these next couple weeks. So I hope to see you then for all of those. If you have any questions about today's episode, the Bible, or anything else, I would be happy to answer as best as I can. If you haven't heard it today, God loves you. I love you. You are important. Maybe not as much as you think you are, but you are important to God. You have worth and you have a purpose. I'm signing off. Bye.